Welcome to the Golden Shadow. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Alyssa Polizzi. Today we're exploring the concept of memes and their relation with the digital shadow. And this is because in our Shadow Play speaker series, we're having uh, Chris Gabriel, also known as Meme Analysis on YouTube, as a guest speaker at the STOA as a continuation of our series. Last week we had James Hollis, which was really awesome. This is definitely going to have a different tone to it uh, with meme analysis, but we figured uh, as a kind of preparation or maybe as a kind of taste of what might happen on Wednesday when this conversation happens with meme, meme, meme analysis, excuse me, we're going to try and explore the concept of memes in the digital shadow ourselves. So the common usage of memes is as part of internet culture, right? So probably everyone listening is familiar with the idea of the meme. I'm sure mm -hmm. they've seen many memes. This is uh, a podcast that's on the internet, obviously. So uh, you definitely know what memes are. Um, but the concept goes deeper than just the uh, replicated pick that has strange white all capital letters at the bottom <laughs> that has like a cat and it says like, oops, I did it again or something like that or some strange um, overlapping of weird cultural uh, images or symbols and concepts. It's hard to explain what an internet meme is, but we're going for something deeper than that, which is more the sort of Richard Dawkins notion of meme as a unit of culture, mm. as a way in which culture almost acts as a virus and that sounds really pejorative but it's probably the best way to explain it culture can spread culture can be passed along culture can be uh imitated replicated um and so the concept of the meme is much much further reaching than the thing that we're used to on the internet mm. and it kind of penetrates every aspect of our lives essentially I think we can both recognize that the internet meme is maybe a surface level interpretation of what memes are, but yeah. also a good entrance point possibly because yeah. it's much more a familiar concept uh, to the everyday individual. Mm -hmm. So like some typical examples of internet memes will most recently would be like Bernie in his right. mittens and his jacket at the presidential inauguration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just caught on like wildfire, you know? Yeah. And everyone's photoshopping Bernie in every imaginal photo that <laughs> has meant something to anybody. Like, yeah. uh, here's Bernie with the New York dolls, or here he is sitting next to Abraham Lincoln. It was just like mm -hmm. this something about it just caught the imagination of not even just one particular subset of culture in america but everywhere mm -hmm. and it spread as you said like a virus yeah. people were caught by it and from like one brain to the next people were feeding into it and giving life to the meme right another example is um the distracted boyfriend meme which has been around for a pretty long time i think where there is a uh, boy walking with his girlfriend but he has his head turned and he's staring at a very hot girl passing by and his girlfriend is upset with him and this is sort of a different spin 
on the meme from the Bernie phenomenon where you can kind of um, place certain phenomenon or names or groups on each of the figures in the photo. There's three mm-hmm. figures in the photo and you could place something on the, the boy that would say like uh, video game you could say gamers and then like the hot girl walking by could be a certain video game that just came out Mm -hmm. and the upset girlfriend could be like an older video game where it's like why are you cheating on me kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that's like a strange um juxtaposition of different cultural concepts playing with each other in visual form Mm -hmm. the meme is kind of acting as this odd symbol that has infected the cultural milieu, you might mm-hmm. say. And especially with the internet memes, carries this sense of kind of trolliness or kind of low quality or something that feels really quite silly and yeah. allows people to explore sort of different concepts, but through this often very like pop culture dynamic. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, they can feel really annoying. Like I think personally, just like memes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't find them to be very uh, appealing Mm -hmm. personally. I I find them to be a little bit obnoxious. Right. That's probably the point, I guess. With the internet meme, it's interesting because... um, I was like surfing a like Jungian forum and someone mm-hmm. was like, I'm trying to make Jung's concepts more accessible. So here's a meme. And it's like, oh God, like, you know, <laughs> okay, let's see what you got. And it was just sort of like this uh, like scrapbook style photo with like a picture of alchemy mm-hmm. and a picture of someone looking at like the cognitive functions. It was like, you know, all these things that are supposed to symbolize different elements of Jung's work. But to the point, it does in some ways provide an insight into a concept rather quickly. It captures something in the imagery, sometimes with very little text, and it does translate something to maybe a greater group of individuals through this sort of symbolic representation of the meme. Yeah, it's incredibly reductive. Yes, yeah. But that's how you make something accessible is you kind of reduce down its complexity to something mm-hmm. that can be uh, bite-sized. Yeah. That's kind of what memes are doing, and that can be for better or for worse. Um, other examples really really quickly of memes, and we're not meme experts, if that's not already obvious. Um, but, Definitely not. Uh, the, the Boromir <laughs> meme. One does not simply dot, dot, yeah. dot. <laughs> Taken from Lord of the Rings, where he says one does not simply walk into Mordor. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's saying something like, I can't even think of anything good, obviously, <laughs> but like one does not simply uh, walk into McDonald's, I guess it could be like, that makes no sense, <laughs> but you replace, you replace the blank with something and it has some sort of like energy to it. Yeah. That is also conveying a kind of absurdity yeah. and humor. Right. Um, or like this impossible task and rather than kind of going into the depths of it, it's like, let me serve this to you on this really ridiculous platter of yeah. Boromir with his hand up in that, you know, way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, one does not simply just like pass the bar or whatever, but you know, it's making sure. light of a situation, but communicating this kind of greater message of difficulty and challenge yet. Once again, that kind of pop culture is riding with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Sean Bean again as Ned Stark meme saying winter is coming, Mm -hmm. saying something like, uh, my new hat is coming in the mail or Mm -hmm. something like that. Or, um, Oktoberfest is coming. Yeah. You could replace anything with it. The Um, phrase itself, or even just winter is coming as kind of being like the impending, you know, not doom necessarily, but certainly like change possible cataclysm. Yeah, Summit. but like not even like I'm serious. Like I've seen people say like, no. like my my like new thing is coming in the mail. Okay. Like using that word, it's like it's definitely not a cataclysm. It's just like anything that is coming. Anything that is coming. Um, and the point is not to like uh, communicate some deep complex idea, but right. to communicate something that's just kind of stupid, basically. <laughs> and the stupidity is partly why it's appealing. Mm. Um, grumpy cat. It's like a photo of a cat. It's and it looks really grumpy. It looks real sad. Kind of self-explanatory. You can insert all kinds of um, sayings below the cat about being grumpy. Uh, last one before we move on. Sad Keanu <laughs> is one that we found to be pretty amusing. Um, where Keanu Reeves, there's just a photo of him sitting on a bench eating a sandwich. And he looks really sad. <laughs> and... You can play with that all you want. Who knows what kind of innovations you can come up with with sad Keanu. Um, But the point is that there's something happening here that is very surface level. Mm -hmm. As like this is funny. Um, It's kind of stupid or obnoxious. Um, We like things that are sort of stupid and Mm -hmm. funny and obnoxious, Mm -hmm. especially as sort of a response to how serious the world can seem at times and how... Um, clean and sleek and put together a lot of media is memes kind of play upon that as in this is not put together this is not sleek it's mm-hmm. not appropriate um, so it's a very kind of like anti-media mm. type phenomenon that's one aspect of it yeah well specific to the internet memes right but I think when you kind of drop a little bit more deeply into Richard Dawkins' theory. Mm-hmm. We're exploring those kind of um, shifts in tides and movements of culture that might not necessarily carry that same tone that internet yeah. does. And I think this is where probably the confusion or the disconnect is. I, Because I personally didn't even know the actual heart of the theory mm-hmm. or that we're exploring other elements of culture that exist under this umbrella of memes it's just the internet and the popularity of that becoming viral has overtaken what the original theory was um but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about right. the original one right so moving forward in this conversation i'm going to refer to internet memes mm-hmm. as sort of the silly absurd photos that you find on the internet um and that's gonna be different from memes which is the more meta, more generalized um, Dawkinsian, Richard Dawkins uh, theory of memes. And Mm -hmm. it's not even a theory that he really pushed that hard. It's kind of like uh, an idea that he brought up in his book, The Selfish Gene. Mm. People kind of ran with it a little bit. Okay. But it's a very very broad usage. And that's what makes this concept kind of tough is it's really referring to something that is incredibly... um, incredibly generalized and incredibly present in our lives so much that we don't actually even really recognize what it is. Um, and it's talking about culture. Memes is a way of thinking about culture and memes is a play on genes. 
So genes are genetic, biological. Mm-hmm. We inherit genes. Genes tend to mutate over time. That's how organisms evolve. You have genes that mutate and the organism becomes something. It evolves into something. It, it possesses new traits, manifests new um, morphology over time. Memes is a play on genes to mean a cultural unit that can mutate over time, that can spread, mm-hmm. that can be passed along the same way that genes can through reproduction. Um, and that still doesn't really help <laughs> uh, explain it if yeah. uh, you're not familiar with this, this concept. But a meme is really any unit of culture, meaning anything that can be transferred between people mm. in terms of language or ideas or concepts or symbols or ways of doing things, styles, mm. rituals. Um, so, for example, a joke is a meme in the sense that if I say to Alyssa, why did the chicken cross the road? She hears the joke and now she has the joke. I just mm. gave it to her and she might go and tell the joke to 10 people and they might tell the joke to 10 people mm. and they might tell the joke to 10 people and suddenly you have thousands and thousands of people that know this joke and why the chicken cross, why did the chicken cross the road is a good example of a meme that has spread mm. and it's kind of counterintuitive because it's a, it's not a good joke. That's partly why it's spread. Yeah. It's because it's sort of funny and mm. stupid, which is why it kind of like um, can be compared to the internet memes pretty well. Um, but more examples of cultural units could be um, words. Mm. Uh, let's say I make up a word um, and the word is like DARF. And DARF means like, uh, it's like the F word, but like funnier. So I say DARF you. And then you say like, well, DARF you. And then like all of a sudden, like everyone we know starts saying DARF yeah. and it spreads. Um, but DARF isn't actually very funny and it doesn't actually uh, convey much meaning. It just sounds kind of stupid. Hmm. And because of that, it won't actually spread. Yeah. So there's this kind of notion of survival of the fittest with these cultural units hmm. where I might make up a meme or create some kind of meme, but it's not very fit. It doesn't, people don't like it. It's not compelling. It doesn't grab you for whatever reason. And so it dies out. So DARF might have been funny to you and I initially. Mm -hmm. And maybe I said it to a few others. Yeah. But six months later, no one even remembers that joke. Right. No one recalls that we were, you know, making a big deal of it at the Mm -hmm. time because it didn't have this set of fitness. It didn't work fully to... Uh, really kind of merge with the hosts, like the individuals, it didn't spread. There wasn't a like cultural transmission, you might say. Mm -hmm. And that word dying out makes room for like other kind of elements of culture to come forward because maybe there's another word. And I think we kind of see this happen over time. It's Mm -hmm. like, what is all the new words all the hip young kids are saying? It's like things just seem to sort of emerge. Right. And kind of take hold of people and get spread into uh, the kind of general lexicon and then into culture. And then suddenly it's like, you know, being added into the like Merriam-Webster's dictionary or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like suddenly there's this new addition to culture and and why. Right. Because it worked, I guess. Right. So woke is a word that has caught on 
Yeah, in fairly new. The last yeah. five years, yeah. maybe a little bit before that. I'm not really sure. Mm. But that's a good example of a term that was used and it caught on mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Right. And again, it's not it's not necessarily catching on because it's good or it's healthy or um, it makes the most sense. Yeah. It's, it's more unconscious than that. There's something deeper going on mm. where the word woke, let's say, seems to fit. And it might fit for all kinds of reasons that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. But it fits... It's compelling. It succeeds in, in some sort of functionality as a word. And so yeah. people use it and then it, more people use it and mm. then it spreads. And mm-hmm. before you know it, it's been coined. Right. It's sort of been established as part of the culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's a meme. Yeah. Woke is a meme. Yeah. Um, but again, anything, any kind of saying, uh, like um, that's the way things go. Mm. It's a saying, right? Yeah. Someone said that at some point. And it caught on and people started saying, well, that's just the way things go. Mm-hmm. And that spreads because yeah. it works. It, it accomplishes something that we need. Um, uh, you let the genie out of the bottle. Like that's a, a saying that expresses this concept of like you've done something that you can't undo. The internet is something that cannot really be undone. You've let the genie out of the bottle and now the internet technology will always exist. Mm-hmm. So Letting the genie out of the bottle is an example of a saying that caught on. It was fit. It uh, was adopted into the culture. So this idea of um, Darwinian evolution occurring within culture is abstract. It's confusing. But it happens the same way that it happens in biology. Yeah. Things emerge. They evolve. And they get passed along. They spread. And they have a kind of fitness. Mm-hmm. And so culture is constantly evolving constantly being refined in some sense by the sort of uh, currents of nature and it sort of sculpts things into existence over time. Mm -hmm. So memes represent that Darwinian evolution, those units of culture that manifest, they mutate and they develop and they might gain momentum Mm -hmm. and become something uh, big, something huge that started off small. It's interesting to consider these sort of like short term bursts of memes coming to life and then sort of slowly closing out like Mm -hmm. these sort of shorter lifespans versus memes that might really anchor into the culture and hold true for decades, if not centuries, because, you know, I was thinking about other ways that memes are expressed, not just, you know, jokes or symbols, but, you know, like fashion Mm -hmm. or dances, like, I feel like there's always like some new dance that like little kids are doing. Yeah. Uh, like what's the one with the arms? What is that flossing or whatever? It's been around for like a few years. You know, the one where like your uh, arms are straight. Like a Fortnite that thing. kid. I see. Yeah. <laughs> We're so bad at know. internet culture. No, just, I mean, internet culture is not something that we find very compelling. Um, but like, you know, like my little niece was doing, I'm just like, what yeah. is this dance? And then there's all these videos of people doing mm-hmm. it. And like, you know, several years go by and kids are still doing it. But I don't think it was as popular as when it first came out. And probably in 10 years, no one's going to be flossing, right? Like, uh, but yeah. there was this time, this sort of lifespan of it taking hold mm-hmm. of like the collective consciousness and it represented something at that time, but maybe it's fitness was not strong enough to truly take a hold and, you know, continue on. Right. Right. More examples. Um, the Christian cross, very prominent symbol mm-hmm. in Western culture and has been for a very long time. Um, 
it's complicated, right? It's not as simple as just saying, well, it was such a good symbol that it caught on. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's that, but it's also, it was, it was pushed yeah. in some sense. It's like, this is the symbol we're adopting. Sure. This is our badge. This is sort of like the Christian badge. Um, but you can understand the cross as something that anytime anyone sees it anywhere, they understand it to represent Christianity, mm-hmm. right? It's really, really stuck in the culture in a serious way. Yeah. doesn't mean that people like it. It doesn't mean that people even use it. But it's very recognizable, mm. and it's just two lines, right? You can draw it anywhere on the wall. You can spray paint it, mm. and people recognize, like, oh, that's the that's the cross. Yeah. Um, and you could understand that if they tried to, let's say, if, if the loose notion of Christians, if they tried to push a symbol other than the cross, like, I don't know, like six intertwined circles, mm-hmm. let's say, that could still be cool, but like it's not quite as simple. It's yeah. not quite as iconic. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to draw. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons why it wouldn't be as good of a symbol. Mm. And so when we think about like logos, if companies have logos, there's a fitness to those logos. That's true. Some yeah. logos are good. Some are not so good. Yeah. The Nike symbol, I think, is like a really good logo. It's a really good symbol. It's incredibly simple, but it's very striking. It's mm-hmm. got motion and action to it. Yeah. And it works. I like the Nike symbol. Mm-hmm. I might buy shoes that are Nike just because of it, as opposed to, um, I don't know, New Balance has an N. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's like, that's not as fit of a right, symbol right. to me. Or like kangaroos, that's like a shoe. And it's like, maybe there's not a kangaroo on it, but I'm imagining there's a kangaroo on it. And it's like, it's not quite as sexy as like mm. the Nike swoosh. Um, so those are all memes as well. yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting bringing up the cross, Mm. uh, you know, at the time of sort of uprising of really any religion, there might be sort of several symbolic images that are floating around and likely a couple of them or even just one or two are really going to kind of float to the top and become that centering and that anchoring point. But you start talking about symbols and I'm really going to kind of explore more of that interesting archetypal underpinning Mm -hmm. within the symbol because to me like symbols are are gateways and entrance points into the archetypal structure and there's something about a symbol that allows it to be both that access point into the archetype but also can kind of carry different dimensions of meaning to different people similar Mm. to the meme right it's like Boromir can be something that has a central tone or a central theme, yet it, it can merge and kind of take that like mercurial nature to uh, kind of adapt into different places for different people. Yeah. And and that's sort of happening on these really grand scales where we have, say, like religious symbols mm-hmm. where they do represent some aspect of culture and that is carrying it through, but it also is connecting us to that deeper archetypal core which carries an incredible depth of meaning versus boromir which is kind of you know more shallow yeah yeah so archetypes we can kind of review for a moment how we might think of archetypes uh and it's tough um there's something that uh they're deeper Mm. than what we would say is sort of like waking immediate reality yeah like we only see sort of the um plays upon archetypes we only see sort of like the manifestation of their energy in some sense um 
things tend to uh, circumambulate archetypes mm-hmm. or kind of rotate around them with ever actually arriving at whatever the archetype is. But they kind of represent a kind of um, human nature, mm-hmm. a nature to our psychology. Yes. Something that everything, all of reality is grounded in. Um, kind of a framework, a sort of skeleton. Yeah. Um, and that skeleton, that sort of hidden undercurrent of reality uh, is filled with our various manifestations in psychology and culture, in our stories, um, even our physical surroundings, the objects that we create. They're all sort of playing on something that is deep within us that drives our desires, drives our um, sense of meaning mm. and perception and uh, drives our actions. Yeah. So a compelling symbol like the Nike swoosh, for instance, is playing on some sort of archetypal nature. Mm. And it's weird to think about because it it's like it's just this symbol. Right. It's just like this. You, just, you can draw it on a piece of paper. How does that play on upon an archetype? Mm. It's like, well, that's you have to think about archetypes in this really meta sense. Yeah, there's something about the curvature of it. There's something about the feeling of movement within it. It communicates action. It mm. communicates um, a sort of power and sleekness, and that has something to do with its shape. It has something to do with its pointiness and curvature, its thickness. You could understand that the Nike swoosh was like thinner. It was more kind of like a crescent and less like a blade. Mm-hmm. It might not be as compelling. Yeah. So it's playing on something deep within our psychology that's right. like, I like the Nike swoosh. From my understanding, the Nike uh, swoosh is um, related to the, the Greek goddess of victory. Nike and then uh, the actual like imagery of the symbol itself is meant to be kind of like the wing okay um so it's symbolizing speed and movement and power yeah. and all this dynamism mm-hmm. and victory and all of the energy that's built with it and of course when we think about the the gods themselves especially um ones of the plethora of of pantheon gods like like the Greeks, you see how they each represent these sort of archetypal uh, expressions Mm. because the God itself is a symbol or a personification of the archetype. And from that has been pulled like the wing and that's been placed onto the shoe. So Mm. we're, we're, we have like this line of connection that the meme in a way is allowing us to connect to, because when we see Nike shoes, we connect that to a sense of like athletic prowess and mastery, like all of the top athletes wear Nike. It's a great performance shoe. There's a sense of, of, what you can trust when you have something like that, you know, like a good sword, you know, mm-hmm. you're outfitted right. And there's a feeling of of energy that's being carried through that that might take you back to that archetypal expression of victory and power and battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, to kind of gravitate this a little bit closer to how we normally think of archetypes, um, you could say that characters are a kind of meme. Stories are a kind of meme scenes from stories are a kind of meme and you can see that sort of uh, again played with with internet memes um boromir saying one does not simply walk into mordor Mm -hmm. that meme only works if you've seen lord of the rings 
right? Yeah. If you have no idea who this character is, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So it's playing on Boromir and his sort of archetypal structure, which is someone who is a warrior but is weak-minded, mm. is corruptible, yeah. is sort of incredulous. Mm. He doesn't believe, he doesn't have faith that this yeah. is possible. So the the meme of one does not simply walk into Mordor is playing on this kind of uh, corruptible, weak, yeah. masculine heart mm-hmm. in some way. And you can see how that, that is um, relating back to how we normally think of archetypes, yeah. how we normally think of the, the symbols that appear on a tarot card yeah. or the idea of the various characters that come in and out of the hero's journey, um, the kind of scenes that play upon light and dark and chaos and order and death and rebirth um, that we're used to normally thinking about mm. when we think about archetypes. Yeah. So it's, it, it's perpetuating the archetypal structure more than mm-hmm. anything. And the more that we've talked about memes and I've tried to wrap my head around it, it's the best way I can relate to it is that it seems to be in service to, it's not a good word, but I don't know how else to say it, but mm-hmm. like in service to nested under the archetypal structures, which is getting us into the the nature of the psyche, the way that we order life, the way that we make sense of things, the blueprint that uh, gives us the kind of exoskeleton of moving through life. Right. And Boromir is just like Nike, mm-hmm. a, a symbol um, a kind of personification of something deeper or even Bernie. It's like what it only works because we have this general association to who Bernie is already. You yeah. know, he's this wise Senex figure who's very caring. He wants to kind of like revolutionize and bring, you know, development and equality to all. Mm-hmm. And here he is in his coat that he's owned for 20 years and these hand knitted mittens. It's it's evoking so much that grandfatherly Senex right. archetype that we feel this immediate like connection to it. And then we're like placing him in all of these different scenes and it's really silly, but ultimately like we see Bernie and it conveys something incredibly deep and who Bernie is in our culture has continued to develop since the moment he came on the scene. Yeah. It was like the time when like a bird like flew on his shoulders, like, oh my God, like Bernie's like this, this prophet, you know, even the birds love him. So yeah. he's had a really interesting dynamic, I think, with culture and has become like a culture icon and is translating and really uh, kind of perpetuating his own cultural dynamics by just being who he is, not intentionally. Right, right. So this is going to get kind of weird, but like Bernie himself not just not just him wearing mittens on yeah. inauguration day but bernie himself is a meme yeah <laughs> right because yeah. like i don't actually have bernie here he's not yeah. in the room i can't like reach him and be like oh bernie i can touch him like there's bernie mm-hmm. but i still have an image of bernie in my mind mm-hmm. he is a character in my mind he isn't that much different than boromir he's real you right. could say but to me he's not really that different he still represents the Senex. He's sort of the grandfather. He's mm. the wise man. He's very wacky looking. <laughs> so he has kind of like this sort of hysterical kind of genius to him right. in some sense. Like the way he talks. Mad scientist. Billions and billions. <laughs> billionaires. Like whatever he says. Um, that is entertaining to us. Right. It gives him character. It gives him personality. And so you can play with Bernie as a character. Mm-hmm. Like there's... One image that I found really funny 
um, where he's like charging up like Dragon Ball Z style. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mittens, you mean? No, it's oh, okay. definitely pre-mittens. <laughs> this is years ago. But he's like charging up like Goku. Like, okay. yeah. Um, uh, and I think it's like, it says like Dragon Bernie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Dragon, like Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And then he says like, oh, okay, this it. isn't even my final reform. Which is a play on like, this isn't even my final form. Because <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, they keep evolving to like more and more powerful forms. It's like, it's not my final reform. So he's like this cartoon character in a lot of ways. For, yeah. And that makes yeah. him like perfect meme, internet meme potential. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He's likable. Yeah. Uh, he's very prominent in our culture. He represents all this archetypal significance, like mm-hmm. we said, of the Senex, of the wise person, mm-hmm. of uh, the hero. He's trying to create yeah. positive change. Yes. He's trying to fight chaos. Yeah. Um, yeah he's a he, reformer. Right. He doesn't quite have like a, you know, like a flaming sword, but right. he is sort of like uh, trying to conquer yeah. chaos, conquer yeah. evil, slay the dragon mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, society's shadow, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so he's very fertile ground for playing with that archetypal energy. So you can slap mittens on him and put him kind of in like this uh, almost like grumpy looking position on inauguration day. Mm. And it's like kind of <laughs> kind of like overlapping almost with the character of um, uh, spacing, curb your enthusiasm. Oh. Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> Drawing a blank, um, but anyways, it'll uh, come to he me. Play, he plays Bernie on uh, Saturday Night Live, but like Larry David, yeah, Larry David, Larry David, right, right, Larry okay. David is like just like a huge grump. <laughs> um, but there's something very playful and fun, and so yeah, the internet meme can kind of play with this archetypal energy, and it works because it feels so real and deep to us. Mm. And Bernie's not just anyone; he's not just an old man. He's something far deeper than that, and that's why the meme works. It's why sad Keanu works. It's because like, it's not just because like any old person looking sad on a bench is funny. It's like no Keanu Reeves looking sad on a bench is funny mm. because we know Keanu Reeves because he has this archetypal significance. He is like sort of this heroic character that was in the Matrix, and so the internet memes all play with this. Not all of them, but many of them do play with this in this way. That's very interesting. Mm. It's interesting also because. I don't know, just to kind of <laughs> circle back to Bernie, yeah. there's kind of this feeling of him being the underdog yeah. that I think is extremely powerful and maybe something that's particularly potent in the cultural consciousness right now. You might even say the cultural unconscious. And as yeah. Bernie emerged, what, I guess in like 2015, there oh, was he's this- He's been around for way, way longer than Well, that. I know he's been around, yeah. but he really became bigger okay. when he ran for- um, for at least the democratic ticket and there was a feeling that who bernie is despite being eccentric and wanting Mm -hmm. to be a reformer is also an underdog someone who's kind of out of the establishment and a lot of energy and like cultural uh, sort of pull came from him having that kind of archetypal uh, dynamic of the underdog the kind of Mm -hmm. like david versus goliath because he was trying to go against something so much larger than himself. And he's continued to do that every time he's run. It's like Bernie's probably not going to win, but every time he takes a swing, he accomplishes something. You know, they say like Bernie being a part of the political conversation has moved uh, the Democrats left as an example. That's something people say, Mm -hmm. but you, you might at least 
speculate that there was this desiring or this kind of energy building in the collective unconscious that there was like a desiring to want to have something emerge that allowed people to feel like there was a sense of potential or power to make some change. And as Bernie emerged as this figure, yeah, it was, uh, it all like, it, it, it merged on him mm-hmm. and maybe it could have been someone else, but he kind of brings that feeling that uh, things are, are possible against odds that are so, so great. Mm-hmm. And the kind of change that would bring development and prosperity for many could happen and that was something that was maybe desiring and being needed and and bernie became the icon of that right so david and goliath as a story is playing on some kind of archetypal energy and that's why we find it compelling and that's Mm -hmm. why it's stuck right a story that has made it thousands of years is still being utilized as some sort of concept you can Mm -hmm. tell that's a fit story right it doesn't disappear it keeps working and working and working. You can keep telling that story over and over again. And so it's based, it's grounded in some sort of archetypal structure. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I would say, sort of like the hero's journey in some sense. Goliath mm-hmm. represents like something that cannot be surmounted. David has the courage to try anyways. Sure. And against impossible odds, he succeeds. And that's like a, very much like a hero's story. Mm-hmm. But David versus Goliath is a meme. Yeah. We say it when we say like, the small business is going up against the corporation. It's like David versus Goliath um, or, you know, some kind of uh, a low-level boxer somehow makes it through the Olympics and fights like the the defending gold medalist. Mm. It's like David versus Goliath. Like, right, right. And Bernie is playing upon that same meme mm. of David versus Goliath. Yeah. And we find the story compelling. Mm. But you can see how all these memes are interacting in this like impossibly complex way yeah. because Bernie is not just David and Goliath. That's not the only meme that he embodies. Mm-hmm. He embodies all these different cultural trajectories yeah. and different uh, cultural realms. So the whole idea of the meme is tough because it, we're talking about a unit of culture, but we're really talking about units of culture that are nested within other units of culture, that, which are nested within other units mm-hmm. of culture. And there's meta meme, meta memes, and there's like more low level, um, uh, would you say more reduced memes that are nested within the meta memes and that you begin to understand like there's this whole landscape within culture, like this very, vast landscape of all these interacting pieces that are kind of ebbing and flowing and becoming and evolving Mm. towards something all the time. And it's really hard to understand. Uh, It's really hard to isolate one meme from all other memes and say, well, that's, I can hold it in my hand and that's clearly what it is. Well, the archetypal structures are in that same way acting through this sort of like fractaling pattern. Mm -hmm. And it can be helpful to step out and look at it in like a more singular framework. But the reality is things get like abstract very, very quickly. And it's important to recognize how interconnected things are, but to also like not get lost in that dynamic and focus maybe on one certain point of Bernie. And then suddenly you make the other connection and then the other connection. But really these these memes are converging mm-hmm. um, and within that are those other kind of nested archetypal dynamics. But, you know, the memes are the the vehicle through which the, the archetypal uh, 
sort of readiness and rightness is being delivered. Right. And so the archetypal structure is in a way like giving purpose and it's a high survival rate might be connected to how in alignment that is with like the heart of the archetypal structure. Mm-hmm. So how much uh, sort of like aligned valence does Bernie have to the Senex? It's like pretty high, right? Like yeah. he's, 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 he's in the green zone and in the David and Goliath kind of archetypal structure structure also like there. So it's like pinging, like boop, boop, boop. It's like, it works. It's lighting up. Everyone's mm-hmm. being activated by it. All these different ideas and emotions and feelings about it are being constellated and it spreads Yeah, because it works. Right. So, uh, names are memes, kind of dances are memes, mm. rituals have some sort of meme component to them. These are all things that can be passed along. You can teach someone these things and they'll adopt them and they'll take them and pass them on to more people. Um, there's ways of moving or walking or talking. There's a kind of accent that you might find compelling that you start adopting and say, I'm going to talk with this, like this New York accent for some reason. <laughs> because you like it um, or maybe it was handed down to you by your parents or the people around you at school. Um, impressions can be memes. You know, like, you know, people do like, like the Bernie impression I did, like billionaires. Like yeah. I can do that impression and someone else finds it funny and they'll start doing the same impression. Mm-hmm. And then you might have this impression that's being done over and over and over again. Or I can say like a Jack Nicholson impression or something like that. And mm-hmm. That can be something that's repeated, replicated over and over and it can mutate over time and you can maybe start doing like a Jack Nicholson, Bernie Sanders impression, like it's mutated <laughs> in some way that can happen. Um, and the internet, what is weird about the internet is it can take all these things that are kind of more, um, in physical reality, like jokes and dances and mm-hmm. rituals and yeah. hairstyles and names. And it converts them into this digital snapshot. And so Bernie is a physical, real person, but he becomes this snapshot on the internet. He's captured in this image with the mittens, and the internet allows it to be translated um, into other people's minds across the world. Yeah. Right? And that's what's so strange about the internet. And that's like the emergence (laughs) of the internet meme is that all these things that are playing on these archetypal patterns to begin with, these things we find compelling, these Mm -hmm. things that we want to replicate, that we want to copy, um, they're spreading incredibly powerfully, mm. incredibly quickly. Yeah. And then that's what we see on the internet. That is kind of what the internet is in this weird way. We don't really understand it that way. Mm. But it is sort of this spreading of information that almost works like a virus. Yeah. I think it, it it's interesting because I feel like it's possible with how accessible the internet is, mm-hmm. how much everyone's on there. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Do we see these like life cycles of kind of potent but short-lived memes take hold because they can be accessed by so many so quickly and then they kind of like run through the system and then they just like die out? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm – I don't know how quickly those things would have cycled through the culture and kind of been deemed unfit at any other point in time. So we're seeing like this acceleration and uh, dynamic growth of culture in all of these ways both in like what's really taking hold and seems to be sticking, but also what, you know, has like a shorter lifespan Yeah, because the internet has made everybody so interconnected that, you know, I can find something online one minute and across the world, someone else is finding it. And it's like, how would that have spread before? Well, 
it probably wouldn't have, right? Things no. wouldn't have moved outside of uh, communities or yeah. countries at the very least. Mm-hmm. And and now we are infecting each other with cultural memes across time and space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can think of like a, uh, a traditional song might have been something that evolved very long time ago in the past, like maybe even like tens of thousands of years ago, you have a song that a tribe would sing mm-hmm. and it's like their song and tens of thousands of years and this song can get maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, and now on the internet, you might have a new song that you're listening to like, Oh, here's like the new top 10 song or top 40 song like mm-hmm. that might happen every week. Right. Yeah. And so that's what, like, yeah. what's so strange is that a lot of these cultural units these cultural items that are being created very rapidly but they're also being discarded incredibly rapidly and that really i mean you could tie that into all kinds of different patterns in our society but it's almost like just cheap cultural items Mm. that aren't really worth very much like Mm. easy come easy go the same way you might like buy something off of amazon you're like well it was only five bucks like here's this pop song it was just like five dollars i listened to it done with it throw it out you know, that's sort of like a trivialization mm. of these cultural units. Mm. It's an interesting point because for something to have really taken hold in times past, mm. there had to have been like a real cultivation of that in some capacity, you know, the mm. sharing of it, the passing on from one group of people to the next or within a community, it would have been slower yeah. and it would have worked its way through the uh, the general population so that by the time it really took hold, it disappearing by next year would just not make sense. Mm-hmm. Yet now we have these, it's not that they're shallow and that they don't carry those same meanings or archetypal structures or symbolizing this depth. Like it still does. You can pull apart the silliest meme and still find something. Yeah. Yet the chances of that really having a longevity to it is likely pretty low. Mm-hmm. So what's going to win out in this kind of like cultural mimetic um, experience that we're all going through in the information age. Right. It's hard to know. Yeah. So to end this, we'll talk briefly about the, the shadow aspect of this. Mm -hmm. So something we've already brought up is that like a lot of memes are really silly or absurd or kind of inappropriate or trollish. Yeah. And as I said, they're sort of, they're kind of like an antithesis to the kind of sleek, more refined, more put together persona of society mm. that's put forward in mainstream media a lot of the time, right? So you can almost think of um, the kind of internet memes that we see, but I mean, not just even internet memes, but all kinds of behavior on the internet as manifesting this sort of unacknowledged energy of mm. society or this banished energy. Yeah. People who are going around trolling on the internet and like writing terrible things in the comments section. It's not something they can really do in person. Like good luck walking around just insulting everyone. Yeah. Like I'm sure you're going to get away with that. But on the internet you can do that because the drive is there. Mm. And so the shadow through these internet memes is sort of expressing itself. Yeah. Yeah. In ways that it never could before because of the internet. Yeah. It's been given an, in very interesting platform where it can be expressed both through internet behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, things as you're saying that would never be replicated in uh, regular life. And at the same time, also mm, through some of these more like symbolic or imagistic memes, 
there's a potential for shadow content to be brought out into collective awareness and to be recognized or at least acknowledged in some way that it starts to possibly become a bigger part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting as well is that I think it's both serving a purpose of um, kind of shedding a light on unconscious material and that can be extremely powerful and can help like the general cultural individuation process, but it can also uh, perpetuate this really dark and, you know, unhealthy maladaptive tendencies that people have because they can get away with it and it catches on and there's no consequences of that behavior. You know, even if we look at memes as carrying this kind of similar dynamic of the virus um, it taking hold of people and spreading uh, dark rumors, bad behavior has that same type of energy of something positive that seems to uplift the culture. Mm. So we're dealing with positive shifts in culture, but also like pretty wild negative shifts as well. Right. So there is some shadow integration happening uh, as a result of the internet, right? It's like you need to confront the shadow in order to integrate it. Mm. You need to kind of... Uh, engage with these sort of banished contents and experience all that sort of nastiness, that sort of mess that even the pain and suffering that it might entail in order to integrate the shadow contents. Mm -hmm. And the internet is shining a light on those things. Like you can look at the internet and be like, whoa, this is disgusting. Like so much of this is really, really gross but that's the shadow, Mm. right? You can look at the shadow and say, whoa, that's disgusting. I don't want to touch that. Yeah. But the thing is like, it's you, it's Mm. part of you. And Mm. so if we're thinking of the shadow in a collective sense and of society's shadow, the internet is revealing society's shadow in all these ways. And you can think of it in all kinds of ways. I mean, you can think of it as just sort of like as the, the trolling, the sort of, uh, um, what I would say is kind of like shadow masculine energy that's on the internet of people being like really mean and bullying each other and just saying terrible things. Um, that's being revealed. You have to actually look at that and confront it and say, mm. what is going on here? It, rather than just sort of like sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, well, those aren't real people or those aren't people that we need to even care about or think about. It's like, no, there's just like some serious suffering, some serious pain here. Um, and also just the ability of uh, people who normally have not had a voice, not been able to like have the mic and speak and say, I exist. That's also what the internet is doing. And that's an important part of like collective shadow integration, right? Mm. You can, like you could say like marginalized communities have yeah. not been able to have a voice in the past. The internet, because it kind of levels mm. the playing field, everyone can kind of speak out, especially on a platform like Twitter. Mm. Um, there is sort of a leveling that happens where the... Mm unacknowledged side of society or the shadow of society um, is something that you actually have to kind of confront now. Um, so there's that shadow integration happening, but at the same time, this kind of gets into like the weird metaphysics of the shadow. Uh, but shadow contents can produce shadow contents. Yeah. It can, they can be self-perpetuating. Your shadow contents can produce shadow contents in other people. Right. Your trauma can traumatize other people. Mm. Uh, your nastiness inside of you can make other people nasty. Um, your bad habits can recruit other people to join in on those bad habits. So if you think of someone who's an alcoholic, somehow convincing one of their friends to drink more often, you can see that the internet has the same effect. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of this nastiness that's producing, that's propping up on the internet, it is breeding nastiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you insult someone, they might be more likely to insult you back and then insult others. And so this insulting like energy can spread. And that's another aspect of the shadow of the internet. It's like the shadow contents are being revealed and that's good. And we can integrate that shadow, hopefully, because we are aware of it. We're shining light on it. At the same time, the shadow contents of the internet is producing shadow contents in other people. Mm. I think it yeah. requires a lot of discernment right, for individuals stepping into this realm and to recognize like these greater sort of uh, waves and tides of like memes that we're just being assaulted with mm-hmm. at all times yeah. and having to find kind of that own like inner barometer of truth mm-hmm. and discernment that allows you to move through it, push certain things aside. It's like, what are you putting your energy into? Yeah. Isn't that kind of part of like what makes memes work, right? You give energy to it. You think the thought, you say the words, you sing the song, you dance the dance, whatever. Yeah. Like that's the big question to me of like, how do you bring that more mindfulness to this process how do you be the change you want to see in the world it's like where are you putting that energy what memes are you pushing forward into the world Mm. and what are you engaging with online especially because that digital shadow is heavy and powerful and there's a lot of it coming from all these different directions but as an individual you have the ability to discern where it is you want to put that focus what you want to propel more deeply into the cultural future yeah, the strange landscape of information and the way that we are just being pummeled by low-quality information. Mm-hmm. Some of it's high-quality information, definitely, but a lot of it's like really low-quality information that is being sort of streamed into our brains. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it just requires everyone to be more discerning, more yeah. wise than they've like really ever needed to be as far as like what you pay attention to, what you ingest, yeah. what you engage with. Um, you know, which is partly why I think that, uh, philosophy and hopefully what we're trying to do in some sense is actually Mm. becoming, not becoming, it's been important obviously, but like, it is something that I think is really important right now is like, how do I find wisdom in this crazy, crazy world that is incredibly confusing in a way that's never been before. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully we are integrating that shadow energy collectively in some way at least that's the goal yeah it's the the process of collective individuation and maybe Mm -hmm. the intensity of everything that we're experiencing in this more modern age is forcing us into this uh this kind of uh cauldron of intense bubbling where there's a lot of potential for development and transformation Mm -hmm. and big steps for cultural individuation that comes through recognizing all of the different archetypal energies at play, what's pulling at you, what is really in line with the kind of greater uh, journey of development and focusing on that and allowing that to be the guiding light through this process. On Wednesday, February 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, we will have, excuse me, Chris Gabriel, also known as Meme Analysis on YouTube. He's going to come have a discussion about these very topics, memes, trolls, the dark web, and the digitalization of the shadow. That's going to be at the STOA. If you want to join us, it's free. You can RSVP at thestoa.ca. 
you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow org. Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Head over to goldenshadow.org to submit your dream for possible interpretation on a future episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Yeah.